Chapter Two of A Christmas Honeymoon by Francis Amar Matthews. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Her Woman's Will, His Man's Way. As Betty had written to her closest friend, Annie de Paster, Mr. Peter Van Zandt was inclined to be masterful. At the same time, he was exceedingly young, a combination which is not rare, it is true but which leavened as it was in his case with a fund of patience and a sense of humour rendered van zant even at the early age of one-and-twenty rather of a personage in his particular circle he was as betty beautiful wilful perhaps spoilt betty had written a handsome man tremendously well set up one of the men who was always well groomed well dressed unobtrusive but distinctly there an obvious unmistakable factor in whatever position or environment he found himself it is not too much to say that he had thought reasoned and reached about as many conclusions as one in twenty of the masculine gender can he was something of a man already just as betty laughing out her seventeen years and the fraction was a good deal of a woman on the afternoon of the day betty had written to annie de paster she went with peter for the ride peter had later a stag dinner on at the club some man who was going to be tied up the following week but he managed to break away from this and got back to willard's by nine fifteen word came down that miss revere was indisposed word went back hastily scribbled that he must see her he couldn't get on at all unless he did that it was four hours now since he had etc etc word came back by pencil that a headache was raging peter went to his room and scribbled again let me come i can cure it he waited a considerable time for the answer while he waited he strove to melt time away by playing upon his violin certainly peter van zant was the man with the violin then just as he was in the midst of a very especially fortissimo passage betty's reply reached it ran this way i have gotten up and into a frock my head is splitting it is all the fault of some wretch who plays the violin in a room below us or above or nearby at least he thinks he plays but the noise is frightful i wish i could murder him you can come in three minutes daddy is writing letters in his room i am in the parlor betty when peter had read the note he smiled laid the violin on the dressing-table and in less than one minute was in the parlor with betty he has stopped she exclaimed with a delicious little pout as she contrived not to have mr van zant kiss her who has stopped dear the violin man did you you didn't really stop him with very wide almost frightened eyes yes i stopped him oh how did you do it was he angry is he young or old what did he say he wasn't angry he is young i didn't say anything peter i simply took the violin and laid it away from him but didn't he want to thrash you no but it must have been an insult not exactly peter laughed how's the headache little sweetheart it's better let me smooth it 
There, so. Perhaps I inherit some of my father's curative power. Who is the violin man, Peter? Betty always pronounced the name with hesitation and reserves of disappointing taste. Oh, he's not a bad chap. A friend of yours. Not an enemy, I trust. You must know him quite well to have ventured to go into his room and take his violin from him. Miss Betty's tone was indicative of a lively interest and an uncurbed curiosity. Pretty well. Tell me his name, please. Oh, dear girl, how can I? Why should I? This man has incurred your displeasure, caused you pain, distress. His warm lips were on her forehead. Why should I give up his identity to you? Why not? The eternal feminine wished to know at any hazard, and to her there seemed none at all. Because, dear, you are likely to meet him some day, and won't it be agreeable not to know, until he himself wishes to tell you, whose violin it was that distressed you? Betty sighed with a contentment born of a line of reasoning that was not without its seductions and its implications of her own supremacy. I suppose so. Will I like him? she asked, wide-eyed and after a pause. I hope so. You will not be jealous of him, then? with no attempt to conceal the suspicious note. No, I think not. Don't you know? Not exactly. I might be jealous of even him. Betty breathed more freely. Do you like the violin yourself, Peter? Rather a favorite instrument of mine. Yes, to be sure, when well played. Yes, Betty, darling. Well? Can't you let go the violin, dear, and just think of me? No, Peter, I can't. And I hate to have your name Peter. I do indeed. It doesn't match with you. What would match with me? He looked deeply, indulgently, fondly into the lovely face. Then Betty laughed and hid her eyes and murmured, Just I. And there was the laughter of love between them. "'And now you'll forget the violin man, won't you, sweetheart?' he asked. She shook her head doubtfully. "'I'm not so sure. You see, you say I'm likely to meet him, being such a friend of yours. And then, will he want to fetch his violin to—to—' "'Our house?' finished her lover. "'Eh, is that what you want to know, dear?' Betty nodded, looking at him squarely with her wonderfully blue eyes. "'Yes.' Peter Van Zant answered. The violin man will want to fetch his violin to our house. His kiss was upon her red lips, and he will want to play for you. I couldn't stand it. I hate musical men. I mean men who play on musical instruments. They're always very effeminate. Betty rose. Are they? Peter Van Zant instinctively glanced at his own hands, which was as powerful as a stonecutter's sledgehammer for all its whiteness of flesh and pinkness of nail. Yes, I am sure of it. Peter, if you were a musician of any sort or kind, I'd send you flying. I certainly would. It would spoil all the rest of you. Would it? Peter had risen too, of course, and had his arm around his little love. Ah, no, my own. If you loved me, and if I were musical, you would still love me, 
is it not so? Betty withdrew, her black brows contracted, her starry eyes were dimmed almost as if with tears. No, it's not so, Peter, at all. I may be queer and silly, but after all. Then she laughed for all the world, as April might laugh at January, and clapped her hands, and then laid them softly upon Peter's shoulder and took a deep breath, adding, you are not a musical man and so why should we disturb ourselves about your friend of the violin he prisoned her face between his palms he prisoned her glance in his and would you really cast me off well say if i were the violin man betty with bewitching smiles and gay little curves and flutes of mirth nodded her imprisoned head and said yes i would Again he kissed her, halted, made to speak out, held his peace, and laughed with those reservations of prophecy which even very young men allow themselves in connection with the girl they love. End of chapter 2